Hello and welcome to another episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis. And joining me in the studio this week is a very special guest. My first guest on the podcast, I'm very excited, my amazing wife, Sue. <laughs> so, um, before we talk about the movie, <laughs> I thought we would talk a little bit about your background in the arts for people to know why you're qualified to talk about the movie that we're going to talk about. Actually, there's really no qualification. Anybody could be a movie fan, right? But um, I did submit a resume <laughs> and references. That's true. You did. I, you know, I haven't. I, <laughs> I haven't checked the references yet. Oh no. No, but hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully we're good. Okay, so you admit that you're not really as much of a movie geek as I am. True. I love movies. I don't know if anybody is. Well, there's probably a few people. Okay. But you appreciate a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on because of your background. So tell me and everybody listening your background in the arts. Well, uh, by the arts, I guess you mean theater? Yes. Okay. Theater. Theater. <laughs> theater. Well, I started doing shows when I was in seventh grade, and that was... Quite a few years ago at this point in my life, I started out being on stage and enjoying myself a lot. You know, once I finished high school, I actually began doing community theater while I was attending Montclair State College for um, a degree in theater. I like how you said college because now it's Montclair State University. That's right. Well, back in the Ooh. day. Back in the day, it was Montclair State College. So I graduated with a degree in theater, speech and theater education. I began, you know, working day jobs because I didn't want to be a teacher at that time. I don't know why, but um, I started doing a lot of shows, just a lot of shows, maybe five, six, seven, eight shows a year um, wow. with a couple of local groups. And I went from being on stage, I would, would work backstage, I would do crew, I would do props, I would help with costumes. I began stage managing, and from there I went to you know directing. And I've been directing now for about 16 years, and I really enjoy it because I feel like I get to act out all the parts via other people. As a director. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You've so done even it though all. you don't see me up there, you're seeing me up there. Because even if an actor is doing something that I'm kind of thinking maybe that isn't the way I would interpret it, I'll offer them my interpretation, see what they think, you know, and we go from there. So you are, you're seeing me up there, no matter what. But you've pretty much done it all behind the scenes in theater productions at this point. Yes. The okay. only thing I have not done is design and run lights. That's okay. the only thing. Okay. So the movie that we're going to talk about, we've actually watched a number of times at this point. I thought it would be a lot of fun to talk about it together because of that. This one was one that kind of we missed when it was in the theaters. I'm not even sure how because it seemed like it was right up our alley based on uh, your background in theater, which you've kind of made me not so much a theater geek as you, but I, I've enjoyed doing a few shows with you. We've done some shows together. And, and by the way, this is a perfect opportunity for me to kiss your ass a little bit. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> hey now. So um, Sue is a fantastic director and I'm hoping Stop. <laughs> she really is. I mean, I'm not just saying that because she's my wife either. She's the check is in the mail. She's <laughs> she's really patient. And the first time we did a show together, I had no experience on stage whatsoever. I, d I had not a clue. You made me feel really comfortable and you didn't make me feel like I was that green. And uh -huh. And I think you really bring out the best in, in the performers that work with you because you allow people to be creative and give their input. 
And uh, I mean, ultimately, it's your decision, but you're very collaborative. And that's, I think, very important. A lot of directors probably don't get that, that sometimes it's good to let the, the people in the cast be creative, too. Well, yeah, everybody has their own experiences to contribute and right. everyone has their own visions. And I don't think that just because, you know, your opinion on something or your view of it is different than mine doesn't mean it's not valid. I think everything's worth looking at. Right. You're just really easygoing, too, and that's Aww. the thing. I mean, obviously, you're not a pushover. If somebody is not doing what they're supposed to, not learning their lines, not getting it, so to speak. I will crack a whip. Absolutely. And you know that if Sue has to do that... <laughs> you are in deep doo-doo. Yeah, you have essentially pissed off the most easygoing director you're ever going to work with. <laughs> So uh, this probably would have been a great date night movie. That was one of the other things I thought oh, of. Oh, yeah. And it's a movie that I don't think did super great when it was in the theaters. It didn't do terrible. And it really developed legs when it came out on video and on demand and all that kind yeah. of stuff. I think that if we had seen it together in a movie theater, we would have been <laughs> laughing so hard together that all the people would have been turning around and looking at us. Yeah. It would have been one of those kind of nights. Because yeah. there's a lot of things in the movie that, that relate to being involved in uh, community theater yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So the movie that we're going to talk about together is... Pitch Perfect. Yes. Pitch Perfect released October 5th, 2012 in the U.S., that's a special day, right? That's the day Shandy came home to live with us. Shandy is our dog, for those uh, wondering who the hell Shandy is. Oh. Yeah, and that's probably why we missed it, because we were so busy with a, a nine-month-old puppy in yes, the house, Yes, everything right? else stopped at that point. Yeah. So uh, the director, Jason Moore, writers Kate Cannon uh, did the screenplay based on the book by Mickey Rapkin. So the stars, Anna Kendrick, Brittany Snow, Rebel Wilson... Anna Camp, Skylar Aston, and Adam Devine. Now, a lot of young people that have done other things, but uh, this was probably the big breakthrough for, for most of the cast. The tagline, get pitch slapped. <laughs> <laughs> Should I do it in the movie, guy boys? Yeah, 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 yeah. This October, get pitch slapped. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you think it cost a lot for this movie, or...? You know, I've been trying to figure that out because it doesn't seem like a high, high budget movie. I mean, there's no explosions or, you know, car chases or anything. But it, I mean, just knowing what goes into making a musical number, like it had to take a lot of time. So I'm thinking because it's a cast of mostly unknown actors and actresses, most of the budget probably went toward the music publishing rights for the songs that the, all the different groups perform. I know that this movie... I mean, they, they sing the sign, like, what, four or five times in the movie? Yes. In the sequel, from what I read in Entertainment Weekly, they secured the rights to, I, I think it was like 40 or 50 songs. Each so, piece being performed was a mashup of at least, like, five songs? That's least? true, the mashups. That's true. I forgot about that. And I there's was thinking, all the performances of different groups, and there's the riff-off. Right. How much did they spend on it? Estimated budget of just $17 million. So I talked about Back to the Future a couple of weeks ago, and the budget for that movie, remember, in the early to mid-80s, with a lot of special effects, was $19 million. Now, that's back then. So obviously things cost a lot more money nowadays. So $17 million, eh, maybe it's normal, but it's probably pretty modest. Okay, yeah, it seems pretty modest. Grossed just under $65 million in U.S. theaters, but then, like I said, really got its legs uh, when it came out on home video. Can I say video still? Uh, sure, because people our age will understand what that means. <laughs> is video, is DVD, yeah, well, I guess it is digital uh, video, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. It was filmed August of 2011 at LSU, um, and they did a special screening of the film. It was held a week before it opened in theaters, 
And the turnout for the screening at LSU was so great that they had to show it again right afterwards to accommodate all the students that were waiting in line. That is a beautiful campus. I always wondered where that was filmed. Yeah, we know somebody that goes there, too. We do. Or did he finish yet? I don't think so. Don't Tommy know. Smith? Tommy Smith. Tommy If you're a. listening. <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit about some of the highlights. You know, I mean, there's so many great things in this movie. It's so much fun. You know, it's one of those movies that it kind of catches you off guard because you're thinking, ah, you know, maybe it'll be fun going in. And then you watch it. And you're like, oh, my God, this is like greatest movie ever. It's Aka Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so right off the bat, it starts off with the, the Universal Pictures theme being sung a cappella by uh, one of the groups in the, in the movie. Which is what I do now every time we see a Universal Pictures movie, much to Jason's chagrin. That's right. <laughs> every time we watch, he's got to do that. And it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and it's it's a habit that you developed early on because uh, of Star Wars. That's right. Every time we watch a movie put out by 20th Century Fox, after the then you do the uh, the opening bars of uh, <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> and then, of course, I have to remind you that uh, not every movie is Star Wars or it a Lucasfilm. <laughs> The first performance uh, is by the Treblemakers, and, you know, it has the commentary from the announcers, played by Elizabeth Banks and John Michael Higgins, two very funny uh, actors. They appear throughout the movie a couple of times during the competitions, and it turns out that they filmed all of their scenes in one day. Wow, they must have had so many costume changes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Wow. And uh, there's some great, on the DVD, there's an an extra section where there's a lot of uh, alternate lines and stuff. Well, Elizabeth Banks was one of the producers of the film, and she also directed the sequel, which is coming out this week. But she wasn't the first choice to play the role of Gail. The part was written for Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Oh, but she had to turn it down to due to a scheduling conflict. I think that would have been pretty good, too. I think so, but I don't know. There's something about Elizabeth Banks. I just love her. She... Because there she is with her updos and her gowns. Yeah, I mean, Kristen Wiig, you're not a huge Kristen Wiig fan. But I think that that part would have been really good for her because it's I think it's right in her wheelhouse. But listen, having said that, I love Elizabeth Banks. I think she's terrific. So she's definitely great. Um, And, you know, you're going to love a movie when like right in the opening scenes, there's an uppity chick projectile vomiting that you got to love that. That is awesome. (laughs) Very unexpected the first time you watch the movie. (laughs) I love in the movie in rehearsal when they start watching it and they see her and then the other girls like, oh, click on that kitty video. That's, and that's what happens with YouTube. Yeah, yeah, If yeah. you're ever on YouTube, you know, you watch something and all of a sudden you're like going down a rabbit hole yeah, of all exactly. kinds of stuff. Especially with the kitty videos. Yeah, exactly. So um, did you happen to notice the Harry Potter reference in this movie? I did. I did because I like Harry Potter, unlike some other people in this room. <laughs> <laughs> um, but while Becca's at the activities fair and she's at the booth for the, the DJs, um, which is actually the Deaf Jews, um, a game of Quidditch is going on behind her and there's actually <laughs> one of the players is actually shouting throw me the quabble very quietly though because it you know you don't want to upstage anybody when you're in the background i you know it's funny because i never noticed that i mean i'm not a harry potter fan but i totally got that he is not a harry potter fan yes and i don't like uh lord of the rings either <gasps> <gasps> blasphemy <laughs> anyway. so does that mean we're not going to be doing a Nine-hour podcast on Lord of the Rings together, (laughs) honey. You probably could. (laughs) 
So the song that Becca performs at our audition, which became a big hit, Cups, Miss Me When I'm Gone, it's a combination of a children's rhythmic percussion game played with drinking cups with a song that dates back actually to the 1920s, or the late 1920s, early 1930s, When I'm Gone, first recorded by a folk country group called the Carter Family. And the song and the game were first combined in 2009 by the British group Lulu and the Lampshades. They're one of your favorites, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> I think probably... I have a t-shirt with that on it somewhere. Shockingly, they weren't on Saturday Night Live because it seems like they go out of their way. <laughs> <laughs> the, the musical guests on Saturday Night Live is the, uh, you know, go get another drink or use the bathroom yeah. or just hit fast forward part yeah. of the show for us. I, DV- I DVR Saturday Night Live these days because sometimes, you know, some of the sketches aren't as funny. And But I'm telling you, it might as well be... This week, your guest host, Anna Kendrick, and musical guest, Fast Forward Button. <laughs> <laughs> so Anna Kendrick heard uh, that version of the song and decided to include it in her audition scene. And in an interview with David Letterman, she said that she learned how to perform the song with the cups from a viral video. Thank God for viral videos. Thank you, YouTube. Where would we be without them? <laughs> the song peaked at number six on the Billboard Hot 100. Nice. And that's proof that I don't listen to Top 40 Radio because I had never heard that song before. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> There's a, a Star Wars reference in the movie, too. Speaking of Star Wars before. A little uh, Star Wars faux pas in the movie, actually, because when Becca says that Vader means father in German, she's not quite right. And I think it was Tommy who pointed that out to us okay. because he is the ultimate Star Wars geek in this house. It actually isn't right. In German, the word for father is Vater. And even in Dutch, it would be Vater. But I guess they figured that Darth Vater <laughs> didn't sound as ominous no. as Darth Vader. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Darth Vader. So uh, any favorite parts in the movie that really kind of stand out for you? I love the riff-off. The riff-off is, uh, is definitely is so awesome. so cool. Yeah. So you know how they have that little device that's kind of the wheel? It's like a flashlight sort of thing. Yes, I want one. If you were ever wondering what the other categories were that were available for the riff-off, here they are. The two that they used were Ladies of the 80s and Songs About Sex. Here are some of the other categories available for the riff-off. Black Michael Jackson. White Michael Jackson. Christian Rock. Hair bands. Let me just stop right there for a second. Christian Rock, besides Striper, (laughs) who is there? I don't really know. I don't know. So hair bands, you said. Uh, TV theme songs. Reggae time. <laughs> Yaman. Uh, medium rock. The Judds. Famous duets. Overplayed the Black Eyed Peas. Isn't that all of the Black Eyed Peas? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Puppet songs. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, songs that Glee ruined. That one's kind of ironic because Anna Camp, who plays Aubrey in the movie, actually did a guest spot on Glee. So that's pretty <laughs> funny. Party rock anthems. And my favorite, Ugly Lead Singers. Oh, the possibilities for that one, right? Nice. So during the riff-off scene, Esther Dean, she sings the song S&M. That's a song she actually co-wrote. That's her main thing. She's a songwriter, and this was her first acting role. Oh, really? Yeah. There's well, some she other. Was great. Yeah, she was terrific. Yeah. Some other great things about uh, some of the cast members, too. Adam Devine, when he was 11 years old, well, it's not a great thing. It's kind of a sad thing. He was hit by a 42-ton concrete truck while he was walking his bike across the street. He ended up with multiple fractures to both of his legs. He had to have multiple surgeries over three years, and it took two years for him to learn to walk again. Wow. Crazy, right? Wow. One of the actresses that is in the Bellas, Kelly Jackal, she's one of the uh, kind of secondary Bellas. Uh, she was an actual ICCA winner in 2008 and 2010 with the USC SoCal Vocals. Um, 
she was also in a group that competed on NBC's show, The Sing Off, which oh. which we are big fans of. That uh, spawned Pentatonix, right. who are in the sequel. Even though he had a toner for Becca in the movie, in that's real not a real life, thing. It's not a real thing. <laughs> in real life, Skylar Aston, who plays Jesse, is in a relationship with Anna Camp, who plays Aubrey. Oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, and Brittany Snow, who plays Chloe, said that Rebel Wilson improvised most of her lines and would go on 20-minute tangents that would have the whole cast and crew just laughing, you know, falling over themselves. I can believe that. I can believe that. She's She's, a she's awesome. Love her. Hopefully in the sequel there's more of her, right? Yeah. So the storyline, in fact, between Bumper and Fat Amy wasn't in the script. Adam Devine and Rebel Wilson would improvise during their scenes together, and Devine would often try to kiss her as part of that. <laughs> and this led to the whole backstory uh, between the Bumper and Fat Amy characters uh, and their relationship. The filmmakers thought it was kind of uh, like a hostile sexual chemistry between uh, the two. They thought it was funny, and, and they kept the scenes in the film. And though, according to the two actors, there was a lot that was cut out, including a reference to a one-night stand. Oh, that's hysterical. So it's kind of like they, they brush upon something went on between these two characters in the movie. Well, but... later on, she has, when they run out of gas yeah. in, the, in the bus, that's... you know, she says, you know, we could call... And they're, you know, the other girls are saying, no, no, no. But she has Bumper's number in her phone, so you know. Why do you have Bumper's number? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we talked about um, Star Wars being referenced and Harry Potter. There's uh, some other movies also, Breakfast Club, Rocky, Jaws. You have juice pouches and Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this was an interesting thing that I read that I hadn't thought about until I read it. Anna Kendrick plays a Bella in this movie, and she plays a friend of Bella that's right. in the Twilight series. Oh, that's right. It's kind of a little mm-hmm. goofy thing. Well, Adam Devine, he accidentally hit a cameraman with one of the burritos that he had to throw out of the bus. That's uh, going back to the scene we were just talking about when they're driving to the, the competition and they stop to get gas. But she actually can't fill up because she's been hit by a burrito. <laughs> gonna finish him like a cheesecake (laughs) oh when becca enters the campus radio station for the first time this bothers us every time we watch the movie it it, it annoys the shit out of me goes into the radio station for the first time there's a voice that you hear saying 95.7 wbuj music for the independent mind the door of the radio station actually says 85.7 fm hello pay attention when you're I mean, that's an easy thing, but yeah. this is this is another thing that's kind of interesting about this. That's the actual slogan for 88.9 WERS, the Emerson College radio station. Radio stations based at educational institutions in the United States are designated between 87.5 and 91.5 FM, so it, none of it makes sense. Oh, I never realized that. Yeah. That does. That's true, though. This movie, just a fun movie if you've never seen it. I mean, we've you know, we've kind of given away a couple of things so hopefully anybody listening to this has already seen pitch perfect <laughs> otherwise they're gonna be like oh thanks for ruining the movie oh. no we didn't give anything away we, we didn't give away the ending no we would never say that <laughs> <laughs> all right stop but yeah i i think we both would give this two enthusiastic thumbs up yes it's a lot of fun so check it out and thank you so much for doing this with me. This You're is welcome. awesome. You're, you'll do this again, right? Sure, if you'll have me. Of course. Okay, will you call my references next time? Nah. Oh, wow, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, I think when you're married to the guy doing the podcast, you're in. That's good. That's good. And you like my cooking, so. Yes, I, I do. I think this is that's a definite plus. 
Absolutely. We didn't even talk about some of the other things that I had thought of. For the movie? Yeah. Oh, cool, go. Yeah, because um, I love the scene where they're in rehearsal, and you see Aubrey and Chloe individually working with the different girls. With the newer, with the newer with Bellas. With the newer yeah. girls. Yeah, because, well, everyone's new at that point. They're the only ones left, right? Mm-hmm. They're the only original Bellas left. Right. So they have to teach the other girls everything, and they're teaching one girl the beatboxing. That's right. And one girl's going, wow, wow, wow. And some, <laughs> I forgot about and that And someone scene. else is going, you know, you know whatever. And... This is what I was talking about, the rehearsal process. Right. That's that. Because that's something I, I people I don't you. even realize how much preparation goes into, you know, a performance when, you know, if you think about it, the numbers that they perform at the competition mm-hmm. are what, like maybe three minutes? Yeah. Maybe three something and a half, like, that, like yeah. the mashups and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you think back to that scene, you know, the two girls have to teach all the other girls every single note. Right. You know, All what the, the breakdown is, what the, the different parts, because there's, you know, the sopranos, the altos, the mezzos, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then you got the beatboxers. Mm-hmm. Um, then they have to do all the choreography. And, you know, right. the girls are shaking their head when Aubrey <laughs> says, and you're going to need cardio every day. And Don't, put me, says, Don't put me down for cardio. Don't put me down for cardio. And I think at some point she also references, you know, we're going to have two hour rehearsals every day, mm-hmm. seven days a week. <laughs> and I remember the first time I heard that, I thought, oh, come on. And then when I thought about yeah. it, because if you have to learn every single part and all the choreography and it's a piece that's at least three minutes long, it's going to take you months. Yeah. People don't get it. Like, they just don't know. You know, if anyone were to happen to come to the show that I'm directing mm-hmm. um, in June, Arsenic and Old Lace at Studio Playhouse, Montclair, New Jersey. Oh, a plug. 973-744-9752 for tickets. I'm sorry, what was that number again? 973-744-9752. I think they're also available. A little slower this time. 973-744-9752. I think they're also available on brownpapertickets.com. Can you go to, is it studioplayhouse.org? It's either studioplayhouse.org or studioplayers.org. Okay, so here's what you need to do. Google Studio Players or Studio Playhouse in Montclair, New Jersey. Jersey. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, anyway. Okay, so no, no, but my point is that people who go to see a show, and the show is maybe two hours, two and a half hours long, Mm -hmm. That's taken the performers months mm-hmm. of rehearsal. And so even these numbers that are maybe three, three and a half minutes long have also taken these girls months and months and months of rehearsal. So and this really exists mm-hmm. because there are students in college and, you know, I work at a college. I know what their schedules are like. These kids are just nonstop between projects and homework and, you know, presentations. And then to throw two hours a day. Yep. Onto that. Later on, Aubrey says, don't waste your time anymore on relationships yeah. or c- school or classes or whatever. <laughs> and at that point, she's just lost control at that point. <laughs> she's like the anti-Sue of directors. Yes. You, you, you actually want people to have a life. Exactly. Yeah. But I want yeah, them to have fun when we're rehearsing. People don't realize, I mean, you know, more so with a play or a stage musical, yeah. like a theatrical musical as opposed to a movie. I mean, the blocking. Every single movement that you see in a show on stage is well thought out by the director. Mm-hmm. You know, you're told where to walk, when to stop, when to turn, blah, 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 mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. And that was a real eye-opener for me the first time I did a show with you. It's really amazing. Yeah, yeah. And there's a difference between, you know, say your line, then cross. Right. And cross, 
then say your line. Or and cross, cross while, while saying, your, saying line. your line. It's a different effect each time. Yeah. In a musical number, obviously, you're going to be singing and moving at the same time. Yeah, I can't even imagine. And, I, and that's... I couldn't do it. That's what This is why I do dramas and comedies. I can't. I'm not a musical person myself. I, yeah. I would fall right over. I tip my hat to anybody that does a musical on stage. I mean, oh. in the movies, they're not actually singing. You know, they sing. Yeah. They go yeah, into yeah. a studio, they yeah. record the track, and then when they're doing the choreography on screen... It's all lip sync. Right. But right. In, in a musical on stage, I mean, mm-hmm. these actors and actresses, they have to be able to do the choreography and sing in full voice. Mm-hmm. That's not easy, folks. Yeah. That's I mean, not there's easy. a reason you should be doing your cardio. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not horizontal running. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do you have any thoughts or screen facts of your own about Pitch Perfect? Let me know. Email me. Tell me what you think of the podcast, too. You can email me at screenfacts at yahoo.com. And please make sure to include your name and where you're from if you don't mind me sharing your feedback in a future episode. Also, please rate, comment, and subscribe. And also check out my website, jasondavisvoice.com. Thanks for listening. Honey, thanks again for doing this with me. This was so much fun. And I, I can't wait to do the next one. We'll have to figure out what movie. So join me again next Wednesday for more Screen Facts with Jason Davis.